Network interface enabled. Hold, hold. Hello and welcome to the Coming Out of the Basement podcast on the Network Interface Podcast Network for the week of July 23rd, 2012. I'm your co-host Carlos and with me is your co-host Ben. Today we're going to be joined by Scott, who's the guy that you hear Ben complain about a lot during earlier podcasts. So hey Scott. (laughs) So uh, one word to describe our subject today, which is zombie. That's right. So today this podcast is going to be all about that hit song by the Cranberries off of their 1994 album, No Need to Argue. You know about the okay. Irish about the Irish troubles between the Catholics and the Protestants, and you know, so yeah, big big influence on, on us, I'm sure. We really just wanted to dissect it and really get to the core of it, that, that yeah. song and its meaning. Was exactly. that what that was about? The the yeah, the Irish had Irish connotations to it. It did actually, yeah. I actually hadn't really realized that when I heard it before, mm. but it, that is what it was actually about. Mm. But uh, before we get to all that, we're gonna talk about some news. So Ben, did you wanna or Scott? Well, I think uh, the the big um, elephant in the room we got to talk about Batman Dark Knight, uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Um, we've all seen it now, I think. Uh, Carlos, you've seen it, right? That is correct. And I know Scott's seen it. Um, yep, first of all, we we I think we got to address the um, the shooting that happened, um, extraordinarily tragic, and I know we're all sorry about that happened and, and all the the victims of that. And it, you know, I mean, there's nothing more you can say about it, really. Um, I know that uh, my wife, even though. No logical reason to be nervous about it. She was still just watching people coming in and out of the theater. Just a little bit of her was nervous just because, you know, you can't help it. Did you feel any of that, Scott, when you went to watch the film? Man, I don't know what to say. Uh, it, it's a bummer, but I sort of had faith in my movie viewing place to where there wouldn't be an incident. Uh, we hear about these things from so far away that you sort of get – I get detachment Um one of those along the lines of, I don't expect it to happen to us. So I, I was just fine seeing the movie today, and, and we went to a place that served beer, so that, that generally helped. That always gives takes the edge away, doesn't it? Right. Carlos, did you uh, did you know about it previously before you saw the film? And, and... I, I, I knew about it. Uh, it didn't really affect me, although people were talking about it uh, in the theater, actually. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it, it was really a tragedy. Uh, it didn't really worry me that much, but definitely people are aware of it, and people at the theater were aware of it. So. We noticed they had increased security at the movie theater. Like there was a cop on site in the movie theater, like scanning stuff out. So it's definitely had an effect uh, on the theater experience. And it's gone so far to where um, they're not releasing the numbers. They're gonna. I don't know how this is respectful in some form or fashion, but they've decided to not release the profits that they've made until Monday. Normally, you get a day by day blow of, oh, we made X number on Friday from the midnight showings. Oh, we made this from Saturday. Blah blah blah. They're like, no, out of respect, we're not going to give away any of the numbers. And I'm like, uh, okay, I, I just don't understand how that like is is respectful. But it's I might, it's probably an attention thing, uh, okay. just that they didn't want to draw attention away from the tragedy that occurred. I know that That's a lot of people enough. associated with the film have uh, have made statements about it uh, a lot, of, and they canceled at least one premiere yeah. uh, in, in England. And they canceled, canceled the, the the news tour. They're going to do a yeah. news tour around the world. They're not going to do it in Tokyo anymore. But right. enough for that. Oh. Let's get into the actual movie itself. What did you guys think, Scott? I'm going with you first. Uh, I'm gonna, like I said, I already told you guys when we were talking about this earlier, but, uh, it, to date, it's been my favorite summer movie and I've seen all like the Avengers and the Abraham Lincoln and all that other crap, Prometheus. 
Um, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, and you know, BJ, I'm not I'm not a big fan of uh, comic book movies per se, but this one felt and as you mentioned before, it felt less comic booky, and and I actually kind of appreciated that the fact that they were focusing more on the characters and the nitty gritty and and the, just sort of the dark aspect of the whole Dark Knight reboot. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, the beer helped. It was a little long, and Bane was a little bit difficult to understand uh, at some points. And they didn't bring up the Venom, which kind of bums me out. But uh, other overall, I thought it was a fantastic movie. So the the changes in Bane, I'm okay with. Um, you know, because basically you're just talking about a, a steroid-induced, you know, guy. His his kind of origin for his powers are always kind of weak, and I, I kind of liked where they took him. Um, but there was a lot that kind of threw me up. We'll, we'll, we're going to go into spoilers here, but before we get into that, Carlos, what did you think overall? Uh, I really liked it. I was really pleasantly surprised by it, and I think I was most uh, impressed with Anne Hathaway's Catwoman. I actually really liked her. As oh, Catwoman. really, man? I did. I did. Oh, and I, those I, eyebrows. Oh, I did. <laughs> really? It was the eyebrows? That's, I, that's always her eyebrows in every I, single film that I see her in. Actually, and I didn't expect to, to like her, actually, but I thought she did a really great job. Um, I, I liked the movie, and I thought it, uh, the pacing was actually pretty good. I had I did not realize how long the movie was, and that is really rare. I mean, it, I, I'll sit in a one and a half two hour movie and think, "Oh my god, where you know what's going on here?" And this movie is more than two and a half hours long. It's uh, three hours, isn't it? It's it's uh, it's about two hours and forty minutes or so. Yeah, that's almost and, three hours. Yeah, yeah and uh, yeah, it's and I I didn't notice. Uh, so that's that's pretty amazing. So, I have to, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Scott. Well, I was going to say, I have to give a shout-out to, what what is his name again? Joseph Gordon-Levitt or whatever. Yeah. I, I love that guy, man. And he's, if if they are sort of putting him up to be Robin, I think that's probably the best choice for Robin with our current lineup of actors that we have today. You know, a lot of people are talking about how really this is his movie and not... Um and not Bale's movie. Like someone was trying to calculate how much on-screen time. And they're thinking that maybe, um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has actual more on-screen time than, um, Christian Bale does. I buy it. I buy yeah. it. That's what it felt like. And, and, and I, I will agree. I'm, I'm sort of not as, as enthralled with it as you guys are. And, and I admit that it's because I'm a comic book fan. And so I'm letting comic book nostalgia kind of get in the way with me because, you know, it's a comic book movie, almost a three hour comic book movie. And within that, the superhero film, we only have the superhero on screen in the tights and all that good stuff for like 20 minutes, right? 20 or 30 minutes or something like that. Um, there is a whole lot of exposition going on, a whole lot of storytelling to which I dig, but you know, this is where we get into the spoiler tag. So if you don't want to know anything about it, there's like two big reveals at the end. These, you know, like, Oh my God, that's the truth. You find out, and and you already kind of get the feeling of it watching the film, but you get the, you know, all of a sudden you find out Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who's playing, you know, Detective Blake, (laughs) his full name is Robin John Blake, and he is to take on the Batman mantle next. So, and then at the end of the movie, he has bequeathed the the Batcave and the toys and stuff like that as as Bruce Wayne is quote-unquote dead. Um, and and the the goal there, which I felt was really odd because they're kind of setting up a sequel, but Christopher Nolan has already declaratively stated he's done. This is his last film. He's not going to touch another hero super superhero movie ever again after this. And it just felt odd to have that kind of like setup for a sequel placed when you know it's never going to happen. They've already announced that they're rebooting the series. Um, well, I'm wondering if they're doing like if, if it's just one of those sort of scenarios where they're they're feeling the waters and seeing how much money it makes because you know. People will say, 
I'm never going to do this again. But if the movie makes a shit ton of money, then they're going to they're going to do another movie. It's just the the publishers or or somehow another movie is going to come based off of that with that cast of characters, etc. So fair enough. I mean, I imagine if they did drive a truckload of money up to Nolan's house and then just dumped it and he would be like, I don't know, I'm feeling a fourth Batman. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, all within the realm of possibility. But I've been reading like the, the you know various forums and stuff like that, and they're talking about the the the, the Blake character has been enticing a lot of um, controversy because people are sitting there, kind of in the same way I am. They're sitting there going, "Well, he's Robin, but he's not Robin. He's not the the classic Robins of either you know Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, or Tim Drake, right? He's not none of those Robins. He's a, a brand new character that he was created specifically for the movie." But his name is Robin, and everyone's like, "Well, he's not Robin." Yeah, but his name's Robin, right? You know, there's a uh, it, it it feels very heavy-handed in that you know they're trying to pay homage, and and it wouldn't have been so bad had Nolan not not been so true <clears throat> to the characters of, of previous characters like Crane, Doctor Crane, and Bane, and, and Talia Agul, and Raz Agul. All these characters, he he finds unique ways to blend them into a realistic world. But for when it comes to Robin. Yeah, he has to create a new character to pay him homage. It just felt odd. It felt out of place in the way he'd been doing everything else for the Batman comics. Actually, yeah, that didn't bother me at all. Like, really? No, nah, not even a little bit. No, I thought the character was interesting, and he played an interesting role in the film uh, as a character. You know, you, you could have left off that Robin thing, and he'd still be a major character. You know, major part and focus of that film. I I, I, I just thought the Robin thing was was kind of tagged on to a certain extent, but I didn't I didn't find it that disturbing. Well, the the thing is, is that for the character's history, when they're talking about his history, they stole a lot of elements from Tim Drake's history about how he figures out who Batman is, right? You know, he's not told. He figures it out, right? And, you know, he has the same kind of tragic history that Bruce Wayne does and stuff. The only thing that they change is that Tim Drake in the comics is um, kind of a semi-wealthy family also. Um, instead, it seems like this guy's a bit more from the, um, you know, the, the lower class and stuff. But... You know, both in the comics and the movie, his family has like weird, you know, criminal connections and stuff like that. But um, so it looked, it, it it felt like he was Tim Drake, but they were like, no, we gotta make him something else. I, I don't know. That's that's kind of where it lost me, and I was very confused at the end by by all that stuff. You just got you just have to accept it. You have to accept the fact that you know uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a is a fantastic actor, and they they wanted to build him up to. Probably be in his own movie because oh, that's what I'm more, hoping. Yeah, he's been getting more Star Wars Star Wars lately, like the the biker movie, which looks terrible. That does and then, look terrible. And then and then Looper, Looper, he's playing a very heavy role. Like in Inception, he was more of a supporting character. But he was a but fun I, supporting character. Yes, Inception. he was. He was an awesome supporting character. But as his, as his sort of career is growing, I think they're sort of building him up to what I guess what people wanted Shia LaBeouf to be back, you know, a few years ago. And, and good mention on Inception, because that's the film that, that um, my wife really kind of fell in love with him with. You know, he was a, a very strong character in that. And for for such a, um, a minor part, he really played it, you know, really well and, and made it more than what it was probably within the script. And I would love to see him in more stuff. The, I think the the thing is he's kind of got a baby face, you know, same with like Leo DiCaprio. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's working beyond that, right? You know, we saw an edgier side to him in this film that, that right. goes on the baby face. And you know, Leo DiCaprio is coming out in as the Great Gatsby, which was you know popularized the last movie by Robert Redford, and apparently he wants to be H. H. Holmes in the Devil in the White City movie, which would Ooh. be really interesting. Yeah, who's uh, a serial killer, America's first serial killer, actually. 
Yep. Well, I think I think jo- uh, Joseph and Leo. I think you know because I'm on first name basis with these people. I think that uh, they've actually come really really into their own as far as actors and sort of have pushed away the stereotypical you know pretty boy kind of roles. You just like to see them rise up because you've got a baby face. I do not have a baby face, but I would love to have a man crush. I think, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt, if that's, I, I don't know if I'm butchering yep, his name that, or not. Uh, that's right. But, but I think he's my new man crush in the absence of, of Heath Ledger. Rest and, in peace. And so I, I want to take a moment for that because like everyone was talking about um, uh, Anne Hathaway playing Catwoman and, and trying to live up to Michelle Pfeiffer. Whereas Heath Ledger completely blew away the Joker role and owned that. I think Anne Hathaway did adequate but did not really redefine that role i'll agree with that yeah i agree with that too i was just yeah. i i was really happy with with her role though I, I think she did pretty well michelle pfeiffer was incredible as catwoman i thought um but uh that was and uh there was another one there wasn't there at one point um no that was uh, a holly berry right oh right never never mind no so michelle yeah, pfeiffer did a really, pretend that didn't happen exactly but I, I i think i think she did pretty good i was i like i said i was impressed and i think it's because i went in with really low expectations so that she didn't so i was like wow that was that was i, I liked her character well hold on how did she go into low expectations that the this movie was clearly set up to be one of the big heavy hitters for the blockbuster I summer. I meant specifically for Anne Hathaway oh, as Catwoman. Ah, okay, specifically for her. Okay, yeah. I can understand that because I think that generally she is sort of a, a terrible actress. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought she did. I thought she did really well. I was I was really impressed. So I did like the fact how they they sort of modernized Catwoman with the where the whatever her vision goggles were whenever she pulled them up. That's when it looked like the cat ears. It wasn't actually like part of some sort of costume. It was it was functional. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Oh, absolutely, and and that's what I was talking about. Nolan finds unique ways to interpret and bring in the characters to make them realistic within the universe, and that's what I was disappointed in that we got such a heavy-handed. Oh, this is Robin, not you unique thing. You know, we're we're trying to introduce like Tim Drake or something like that. That's the same treatment I wanted to get the Robin character in there, and not just some. Oh yeah, this guy's name is Robin. Oh. Yeah. Eh, I, I think I'm okay with the homage, partly because he did say three films, not going to do Robin, you know, we're not going to, they're not going to do the Batman and Robin thing. Uh, I, that's, that's kind of why I was all right with it. Yeah. Well, okay. So, uh, we could talk about that all day, but that's not today's topic. Today's topic is zombies. Well, do we have, do we have any other news first? Oh, any other news? That's <laughs> a, uh, Superman preview came out. I saw the trailer. Oh, come on. That looks so awesome. The reason I'm digging it is because it's Kingdom Come Superman. Right? Every time they do one of these comic book movies, there's a mixture of storylines that they do. So the Batman movie that we just saw is a mixture of... Is it Fallen Bat? The one, the, the storyline about Bane breaking his back? Uh, uh, yeah. I, I forget the name of that storyline, but it's a mixture of that comic series combined with um, Dark Knight Returns, the, uh, the the classic Frank Miller storyline, where Batman's old and, and, and broken, but he has to kind of get back on the horse, right? The, 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 someone told me that within the movie, Christian Bale's supposed to be 55, and I was like, I don't <laughs> think so, because that's the age of Batman in, in Batman, the Batman Returns. But So for the Superman trailer... It definitely looked like um, they were doing Kingdom Come Superman. He's retired. He's trying not to be a superhero anymore. He grows a beard. He just wants to like you know. He just wants to work at the farm. He's tired of of dealing in the problems of humanity and stuff like that. And oh, how, how did you get that from the trailer? 
well, one, Just, let's say there were two trailers apparently released. Okay, maybe I only saw the, I saw a different one. Which one did you see? Why? Well, okay, so I saw the one and and it, it looked like they were doing a very artistic approach to it. A lot of like screenshots of butterflies and and like you know old homey farm things. And there was literally no indication in the trailer that the movie was about Superman until you saw there was like a, a field with a clothesline and there was like a younger looking individual that you know looked like a child to me and was having a like a red cape or like they had like a red blanket tied around him to a cape and then it shows a Superman flying and then it just pans out. That's that, that's the same one I saw. So you guys didn't see any about the guy like working on the fishing boat and working on the farm. He had a beard grown and he had a dog saw, and stuff saw, like that. Saw that too. That was part of that. Okay, so yeah, yeah, I mean that 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 the feel of that was was for for my my money it, it felt like Kingdom Come Superman. You no, know, but that. I didn't I didn't get that that was I, I didn't get the feeling that that was Superman. I got the feeling that that was uh, and I, you're gonna have, you're probably gonna chastise for me this. Whoever Superman's father was, I don't I don't remember off the top of my head. Well, we know in the movie that Kevin Costner is playing his dad. Oh, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's terrible. Well, we also know that um, – so he's playing Jonathan Kent, and we also know um, – God, what was his name who played Gladiator? Um, Kurt Russell? Um, oh, no, Russell, Russell Crowe. Crow. He's playing Jor-El. So that's the, the voice you hear talking to him about how he has to be that symbol, yeah. blah, blah, blah. That's Russell Crowe talking. No, think, this movie's already crap. I'm sorry. I think, I think Kurt Russell would have been an awesome uh, jor That would have kicked ass. Kurt Russell would have been oh, – yeah, I could have – well, he's too old for Jor-El, isn't he? And, and Russell Crowe isn't. Russell Crowe's like nine, 90 years old by now. Uh, <laughs> you're horrible with age. I'm bad at math. Yes, you are. <laughs> but the more beer you drink, the better you get at math. So, you know, yeah. drink, drink up. So, um, well, hold on. Let me let me chime in real quick. Is the, the last Superman movie was was terrible. It was it was creepy, sort of stalker Superman. And and, and it had Kevin Spacey in it. And Kevin Spacey is a fantastic actor. So not even Kevin Spacey could save that movie, and I think that the Superman movies are just sort of heading down this spiral of tedium to where they're going to just keep trying like the Hulk until something sticks, and nothing well, ever is going to stick. No, 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 I disagree with that. The reason that the, the last Superman film, I think, was a flop is because they tried to make it like the old Batman film. Uh, who I think it was, who directed that? Was it, um, not Joel Silver, but the, the, the original one, Christopher Reeves, right? It was meant to be a sequel to that film. Like they, they said it, this is like, this is a sequel to Superman two. Right. And that's why they cast everyone uh, to, to look like those characters. Right. You know, Brandon Ruth looked like um, Christopher Reeves and stuff like yeah. that. And it, it was Brian, Brian Singer. Um, yeah. But who directed the originals? I'm saying who directed the, um, the, uh, the, the first, the Superman, um, the one with Christopher Reeves. Uh, we have Googles. Somebody Googles. Yeah. That. So, but my point Richard, is Richard Donner, Richard Donner. That's right. I, I should have known that. But uh, so, it was designed to be a sequel to Richard Donner's film, which was inappropriate because Richard's Donner film was appropriate for his time, right? So you get um, you get Kevin Spacey playing Lex Luthor like Gene Hackman played Lex Luthor, which is kind of campy and kind of silly and goofy. But yeah. that doesn't play to today, mm. right? He needed to make Lex Luthor his own rather than just be a parody of the Lex Luthor that Gene Hackman did, right? Because you know what? Gene Hackman's a great actor. He was a shitty Lex Luthor, right? Yes, he was. And and because of that, because he made Lex Luthor just 
you know, a, a comic relief villain and not someone actually to be feared, right? And they even went so far as to do the same freaking line about, oh, land is the only thing they're not making any, you know, more of, right? They did that in the original Superman movie, and then they did that in Superman Returns. I swear, if you watch them back to back, they have the same beats as far as the storyline goes, right? Hmm. And and that's the problem, is that they really just remade a movie from like 30 years ago that doesn't play to modern audiences. Well, and then the whole creepy aspect didn't help their case at all. Either. Yeah, and I'm going to go on a limb here and say that I think out of all the superheroes that, that DC could do, and I'm and I'm not a big superhero guy like, like you are, I'm not a big comic guy, but Superman is just so boring as a superhero he's like completely immune to everything he can do whatever he wants and there's no there's no obstacles he's overcoming the only obstacle he's overcoming is to try to be normal and how exciting is that for us to watch on the on you know on the silver screen i will only agree with you to the point that they only that he he seems that way because they give him constantly lex luther to battle if you were to put him up against doomsday well, dark dark side someone to where they can go toe to toe where superman's like i'm the most powerful in the world and he hits him and the guy's like um that tickled you got another well you know who the bad guy is in man of steel uh it's going to be um um zod that's right yeah which Didn't i we already do that though yes Okay. Well, this is a reboot, right? So. Correct. Correct. So, I mean, I, I completely agree, but the thing is, you can give Superman an epic... We, we've seen it in Avengers. You can do epic. You can have yes. a, scenes where people are throwing each other through buildings and tossing cars at each other. If you can do it, if the technology is there, you can do a good Superman villain. The reason that they have to dumb down the Superman villains is because... At the time they were doing it, they didn't have the budget to do the, oh, well, Superman's going to pick up a car and he's going to throw the guy through a building. Well, or even the technology of having like the, the, the big you know uh, epic battles that destroy cities and all that stuff. And I'm sort of wondering, it, it, the, what was it, the most sold Superman comic, why, why have we not seen a Death of Superman movie? I mean, that, that seems like that, that's sort of an obvious... They I mean, did. I guess the, you have to build it up, but they did the animated movie, and that was freaking awesome. Did they really? You never saw the Death of Superman animated movie? I have not. Um, it's on Netflix. Uh, it's a uh, Superman Doomsday. I will check that out. Yeah, and and it was and and you know what I loved about it is because they dropped all the Superman pretenses. Lois knows who he is. They start the movie and like Lois is at the Fortress of Solitude and they're like sleeping together, right? You know, she comes out in a bathrobe, and you're like, oh, this is not the average Superman movie. I don't have to go through all the Lois is like, oh, the glasses, I don't know who you are kind of bullshit, right? But I, I did always like the, the animated, when they did the animated Superman and the animated Batman movies. I think those were really good. So um, I, I highlighted it last episode, and I'll highlight it again. Um, Kevin Smith has been doing a uh, Fat Man on Batman podcast where he's talking to all the people who do like the voices and stuff like that. So he talked to Mark Hamill, who does the voice of the Joker. He talked to Tara Strong, who does some of the My Little Pony stuff, but she was also the voice of Batgirl. And then he talked to Bruce Timm. Bruce Timm is the producer who did, who did all of that stuff. He created that entire animated universe. And he is a very interesting guy to listen to, and and it's he, the way he talks about it. The whole like you know, anime, Batman animated series, Superman animated series, kind of all just kind of happened by accident. But um, it's, well, that it's man, all... that man deserves a cookie wherever he is. I completely agree. It was very good stuff. Um, any other news? I can't think of any other news. Carlos, you got anything? Uh, I was just going to mention um, 
something that happened since last episode, the releasing the 25th edition of Spaceballs, which we talked about last last episode, apparently, 25 years ago when Spaceballs was made, which is really wow. And uh, the other thing is Wizards of the Coast killed the virtual table. Um, and then, yes, we, 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 we didn't talk about that last time. So, yeah, uh, uh, Wizards of the Coast killed the virtual table, and then in... Really ironic news. Um, Paizo declared they're having a virtual tabletop uh, program being developed, and they will be releasing their adventure paths as pre-packaged things for their virtual tabletop. Right. It's going to be free to use, apparently, except you can buy the adventure paths or something along those lines in order to uh, have the maps and icons and everything uh, for your AP. Which makes me think someone's listening to our podcast. Yeah, because that was exactly what you wanted to do, and you kept on saying that Wizards of the Coast should do. So, wow. Well, it's a good business model. I'd yeah. say that. Mm-hmm. So, are we ready for zombies? Zombies, absolutely. So, um, zombies, you can really tackle from any medium, be it movies, um, video games, television shows now, The Walking Dead, um, and even books, you know, World War Z and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, where, where do we start? I mean... I've got I've got I've got some examples of those, including the, some of the ones you just mentioned. But yeah, they're they've been coming from all over the place. Uh, historically, we get the word from Haitian voodoo type things. Uh, the word isn't quite zombie, but uh, we see we start seeing reference to it in popular culture in the uh, late 20s, early 30s. You know, going that far back, that they like actually used uh, the earliest film that I found was White Zombie, starring Bela Lugosi, which came out in 1932. But yeah, it, and ever since then, they've been kind of doing, been cropping up in uh, in movies sporadically until we get to 1968, and a particular film came out in 1968, and I'm sure all of you know what it is. I'm going Dawn of the Dead. Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead. There we yes. go. Yes, yes, George it's Romero's. A, George Romero. It had to be George Romero or something. Yep, George Romero's 1968 Night of the Living Dead. It was made on $114,000, and initially wow. it was panned because it was so violent. Uh, Variety Magazine called it, quote, an unrelieved orgy of sadism. <laughs> Yeah, they Roger said that like Ebert. it's a bad thing. Exactly, and uh, Roger Ebert was like, oh, you know, because there were children in the theater when he was watching it, and he was appalled. And but uh, it acquired cult status and became, you know, pretty critically acclaimed within within the first five years. Uh, and and it, you know, recently was selected as one of the films selected by the Library of Congress for preservation in the National Film Registry. It made about thirty million dollars, but it's had a huge influence on movies and on. Uh, stories and books and er- everything that we see, a lot of that can be traced to the George Romero zombie. One of the reasons that it had such an influence, though, is because it is actually – that movie is actually in the public domain. Um, back when it was made, there were certain formalities that you had to do in order to acquire copyright on something or to have something copyrighted, and the distributor didn't do it right. And uh, as as so as it turns out, it's in the the movie is in the public domain, and that's why you have remakes and sequels and and things done by all these different kinds of people. Uh, and it you can legally download it and watch it for free. Uh, it is the Internet Archive's second most downloaded film currently, uh, but it's completely legal. You can get it at, you know anywhere. You see it for sale around Halloween for really cheap or with other things, um, and that's because it's in the public domain. So that's that's one of the big reasons it's been such a huge influence. So why, I mean, why haven't we made a zombie movie? That's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say is all I'm hearing Carlos say is that we need to make a Night of Living Dead uh, movie. That's exactly. Like we have permission. That's, yeah, yeah you, you totally can do it. I'm sure it would be awesome. To be fair, I did make a zombie movie in college. Did you? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you, don't you remember I worked on a film called Evil Bobby? Yes, now I do, now that you mention it. It yeah. was really, really bad. Yes, it was. Yes, so. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, zombies have been used in, in these movies and in novels, uh, and Romero himself uses them a lot for, like, social criticism in that book and in the sequel. Like, he's used it to tackle racism and consumerism and, and, and all these all these kinds of social issues. And zombies play this kind of weird role in, in how we look at society and, and what they might represent. And I don't know, it, it's there's all there's actually quite a bit of academic literature uh, about, you know, critically examining zombies and how they're portrayed and what they mean and they have this 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 interesting effect on us. Especially recently with all those stories about, you know, zombies in the news and, and people being zombies and being cannibals and, and all these other people's things. faces and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, when when that news came out, my mom called me and said, "Are zombies real? This is a real zombie." And I was like, "No, this this is not a real zombie." Within this, the CDC actually had to make a statement about not being real zombies, the Center for Disease Control, which was kind of funny. That's their own fault because they released that emergency guideline. They did for the zombie outbreak. Yes, and we'll link to that because it's a lot of fun. But they they made this thing, which uh, you know, kind of because of the popularity of zombies and kind of to have fun, they have a social media preparedness one one zombie. Apocalypse. Apocalypse novella to talk specifically because uh, zombies actually are, as it turns out, in, even in these movies, a really good way of uh, popularizing uh, epidemics and pandemics and like how disease spreads and stuff like that. And so they used it and made this zombie uh, novella called uh, The Zombie Pandemic, and you can go and download it from their website. Uh, but yeah, and so they did that. And the CDC Foundation, which is a nonprofit established by Congress, actually have has this uh, zombie task force thing that they that they sell T-shirts for uh, for the CDC and then raise money for the CDC. And you can go out and buy that online also. If um, I remember correctly, when they did that, you know, because they're used to a certain number of downloads today, you know, like yes. maybe a, like you know a thousand people downloaded a day, and when that got released, millions were downloading and it crashed their servers. They were not prepared for that much traffic to all of a sudden hit them. And same thing with the T-shirt when they first released the t-shirt they sold out like almost instantly and uh they and and then they re-released it again and they sold out again so uh they eventually had to contract with a third party i think uh print mojo to do their t-shirt so it's a print on demand thing now but apparently super popular uh you know that they did that now i think more recent though zombies are becoming you know Back in the mainstream, of course, we got Walking Dead. I know all of us are watching The Walking Dead, right? You know, I, I know season two has just recently ended. I haven't seen season two yet, actually. Scott, you've seen season two, right? I have, yes. Um, uh, I'm eagerly looking forward to season three, um, but on on Walking Dead, I guess season two, I was a little disappointed in. But I think that's because they had budget cuts, right? Well, there there was there were two problems with season two. One, they did have budget cuts because apparently they wanted to throw more money at Mad Men, um, so they wanted to take away. They took away 500000 per episode and gave it to Mad Men. And then two, because of that, they also fired Frank Darabont. Um, and he was the – is it Darabont or is it Darabont? I can't, I can't – I can never remember. Uh, I'm not sure. But one of the lead writers, yeah. He, he's the guy who directed Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. And, hmm. he, and he is the one who serialized this this series for television, right, based off of the uh, the graphic novel – and because him and AMC had a falling out over the production cost of the film, because he wanted to keep it high production, they wanted to shift money away from Walking Dead to Mad Men, even though Walking Dead gets like twice the number of viewers as Mad Men does. Um, the problem is Mad Men's like super duperly critically acclaimed. Um, and so, yes, you're absolutely right. They did lose budget. They did lose their director also, so there's also a tonal shift. And as, they changed all their writers, I think, just yeah. about. 
Yeah. Well, there, there's a distinct difference between the first season and the second season. Is just as far as you know the the development of the characters as they go throughout. I mean, I know that the comic they deviated from the comic significantly since the first season. Um, and I haven't read the comic. I've read parts of the comic. But the the first season, you always had these big like Atlanta City views. We had to clear out the streets, and there was a bunch of people there. And the, you know, in the second season, there weren't as many zombies in The Walking Dead. It's more about character development, which is cool. I'm not arguing against character development, but as far as watching it as a zombie series, I kind of wanted more, you know, zombies in it. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I mean, uh, Carlos, did you you read the Walking Dead graphic novel series, right? Uh, yes, I read most of it. Not not all of it, but quite a bit. And Scott, you didn't read any of it, did you? Well, I didn't read any of it before watching the series, and then after watching, uh, I think the first and second episode, I picked up. So I've I've read. I've read the first, uh, I want to say, I'm, I don't know how many, but uh, it, they hadn't really gotten to deal with all the Atlanta BS, so I haven't read a lot of it. Okay. Um, I've read um, up to, like, uh, issue number, like, 70 or 80 or something like that. I mean, I've, I've read a huge chunk of it, and I know all the drama that goes through, and Really, the drama kind of shifts away from zombies at a certain point and goes more towards the human element, and zombies kind of become... Um, it's sort of in the background, right? Um, hold on here. I think my volume just went down. There we go. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. My my computer is being goofy. Um, and so yeah, the the zombies kind of become the background element as they tell the human element of of survivors trying to to get along with each other and people backstabbing each other and blah blah blah. It, it's you know what if it's a lot like um, Daisy, right? That that game that we've been playing, right? Is, that, that, is this a segue? Well, kinda. It's it's, <laughs> it's 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 a clean it's a clean segue. All right, all right. Um, in that in Daisy, once you get fully equipped and you get your matches, your axe, and your gun. And you head up north, the game's not really about zombies anymore, is it? Yeah, that's true. It's about survival against other players. I, I will say one thing: the the I like the series because they have the the one character. What was the the guy with the crossbow? And, and I'm I'm bad. I can't remember his name right now. But from what I understand, he doesn't exist at all in the comics, right? No, not at all. So, and he's my favorite, and I think a lot of people would agree that he's probably the most appealing character in that series because he's sort of the hard ass, but he's also kind of got a heart of gold. Um, you know, your, your Robin Hood of zombie apocalypse. Um, he is the the Mad Max of the the zombie apocalypse. Yes, yeah. and and you know he's lovable, but he's not in the comic series or the 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 printed comic. So it's it's interesting to see where they're taking this. Um, and from what I understand, talking to other people who have read this show, is, is that for season three, they're sort of converging back with the comic. Is that is that correct? Yeah, the way I've always looked at it is the the comic is like a straight line, and then the the TV series does this kind of zigzag pattern, taking very long stretches away from it, but always intersecting with the comic at certain points, right? So when they get to the farm and they talk to those people on the farm, that's definitely within the comic, and, and get into the prisons, definitely within the comic and stuff like that. But, you know, they, they definitely take these long paths away from the comic. Like, going to that CDC underground place with that dude who blew it up, that wasn't in the comic at all. Oh, really? Okay. And the deputy lived a lot longer in the TV series than he did in the comic. Yes, I had read that far, and that and actually reading the comic surprised me how early he died in the comic. Oh, yeah, I mean, he died... 
I was like every time I'd, I'd watch another episode because I, I I stop watching it for a little while. I don't like to watch like one episode at a time. I like to let them accumulate and then you know kind of bomb through them. And so as I'm watching it, you know the se- season two back to back, I'm like, this guy is still alive. How the hell? I think they did that for the whole classic Scully and Mulder sexual tension thing. Just, I guess, to sort of add that sort of flavor into into that farmhouse. Because the farmhouse, if you look at it from an interesting standpoint, the farmhouse is not very interesting. It just no. really isn't. Because no, there's no threats. There's no danger. I mean, other than people, like, wounding themselves or getting shot or having to go out occasionally to town, there's no real action or anything suspenseful happening at the farmhouse. It's just It just is there. And that's when they should have brought the human element in sooner, because, like I said, at a certain point, the the zombie element's always kind of there in the background, and, and is dangerous to a degree, but, but in the comics, the real danger comes from other people, right? And then that danger is just accentuated by the danger of the zombies, because as soon as you let your guard down and you start having to deal with the human element, all of a sudden the zombie element, you know, pops in from nowhere and makes it twice as deadly, right? right. The zombie element is a predictable danger that you can work around the human element is an unpredictable you know is an unpredictable danger that you can't compensate for and as soon as you let your guard down to deal with the human element the zombie element comes in right and and it's the exact same with daisy you you're so used to looking out for zombies looking out for zombies looking out for zombies what you don't see is there's a guy looking out for you so do we want to use that to go into Daisy? Did we want to talk about Daisy now, or did you want to talk about it last? There's my question to you. Hmm. <laughs> okay, well, there's options. A, there's a lot of zombie things to cover, and uh, as far as you know, looking at modern zombies today, as far as at least from a gaming perspective, uh, you know, I bought an Xbox specifically so I could play Dead Rising. That, that's really the only reason why I bought an Xbox. Dead Rising is the sort of the quintessential zombie game based off of uh, the what is it, the Dawn of the Dead, where they're all in the mall, right? Mm-hmm. So they made they made two games based on that, and and for the love of God, I hope they make a third because I'm going to buy that too. But there's just so many zombie games out there. But if we look at sort of the the genres of them, you go from from horror, which started out in Resident Evil. Resident Evil was very much a horror game. You all would agree, right? Sur- survival horrors, yeah. Yeah, and then we sort of moved into more of an action sort of game, as where you look at like Left for Dead, uh, and you look at sort of the later Resident Evil games. Even though I don't know if they're zombies anymore, I don't know if they're classified as that. It's weird, uh, at least with the last Resident Evil. But DayZ sort of brings it back back to the roots, back to the, the survival horror aspect. And I know for those people who out there that, that haven't played it yet, all three of you. Um, I haven't. I haven't played it, so. Okay, well, all two of you. Um, that it, you may not think it's a scary game, but play that game at night. And that, it's, that's probably the most terrifying thing I, I have experienced from a gaming perspective in a very long time. So let's, let's, let's back up a little bit, uh, talk right. about DayZ, right? What DayZ is. DayZ is a mod uh, that, for a game called Arma 2, which came out in 2009. Right, and and it did. I, apparently, it was it was fairly successful. But sometime back in April, they released a mod for it, just like you can make mods for Counter Strike, whatever like that. And that was Daisy, uh, who was made by a guy named Dean Hall. 
Uh, and apparently he was a soldier in the New Zealand Army, and uh, he was he said he was inspired during his training exercises, and he was injured in one of those exercises, and uh, and that how somehow led to his development of this mod. Um, one of the interesting things that he said though is that he made it as like an anti game because it broke uh, a lot of the rules having the quote unquote rules having to do with game design. Like uh, he threw he didn't really consider balance, and he really didn't consider not frustrating people. <laughs> Oh, that's so true. Right. Oh, that's so true. And and it's and it's so yeah. So in order to play, what do you have to do in order to play Daisy? Well, you um, the the easiest way to do it is to um, download it off of Steam, um, and then there is a launcher called Six Launcher you can get from the Daisy website. It, to get it running is takes a little bit of voodoo, right? It's not the easiest mod to get installed and up and running, but um, basically it includes running Steam in admin mode, launching Arma 2 combined operations. You can't just get Arma 2. You have to get Arma, Ar- Arma 2 Arrowhead, which is the, um, the, the expansion, expansion pack. pack yeah. um, once you launch it in admin mode, the combined operations, then you run 6 updater, update it, run a server you should be able to join assuming your um, version matches the server version. I heard, there, I heard there was cutting off a chicken involved, head of a chicken somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you got to draw like a pentagram and make a prayer yeah. to the board. But once you get it up and running, it, it's it's amazing. And one of the interesting things is Arma 2, which came out in 2009, after this release, became one of the top-selling uh, games on Steam again. Right. Uh, and, and apparently it itself is responsible for the sale of over 300,000 units of Arma 2. And just, just to let you guys know who are looking to do research into this, you need to download Arma 2, which is currently eleven ninety nine on Steam, and Arma 2 Operation Arrowhead, which is also eleven ninety nine on Steam. And then the mod itself is free. Yeah. Um, and, and really, I mean, this guy, I mean, because, like, uh, Arma 2 was successful in that it sold enough to cover production costs. I mean, that's that's the, the, um, the, the qualification for successful. This mod has made it beyond successful. It has sold ten times, you know, what it sold previously when it just came out on its own. Right. And we should do a sort of a disclaimer for people who are actually looking to play Daisy. If you can't handle dying over and over again and you get frustrated at a glitchy game because it is still in its alpha stage, then you may want to look elsewhere. <clears throat> just because it is it is not it's not an intuitive game by any yeah. stretch of the imagination, and it it is a little glitchy. So you do have to sort of get past those hurdles before you can really sort of enjoy the game. If you're looking for a game where you just want to mow down, um, you know, rows after rows of zombie, this is not the game to play. And if right. you are looking for that game, play Left 4 Dead 2. Left 4 Dead which 2 is ten dollars on Steam. Yes, Left 4 Dead 2 is definitely your game if you want to do that. This game is all about atmosphere. So. The game is based off of a... Is it Russian? A Russian location? I think it is Russian, yes. It's 100 square miles. The map is freaking ginormous. It is so easy to get lost and have no idea where you are. Um, You start off on the coast every single time, um, a random location on the coast. You have a Band-Aid, a flashlight, and painkillers. That's it. No weapons, no... We talk about having a hatchet or a crowbar, like a pistol or a shotgun or whatever. You get none of that. You start off with band-aids, painkillers, flashlight, that's it. Everything you get, you have to scrounge from residential locations or industrial locations. And you're competing, you're trying to avoid zombies, because the more the more populated a place looks, like the more buildings, the more civilization, the more zombies there will be. So you're, you're trying to avoid zombies who can kill you. And you're also trying to avoid 
players. The, the thing that makes this game so unique is that it's persistent. When you get a shotgun and you log off, and then you log on to another server, you will still have that shotgun, right? Um, it's tied in with your CD key, and it's saved on the, the servers, the Bohemia servers, save all your character data. So it, it operates a lot more like a massive multiplayer game than your traditional first-person shooter game, in that when you join a server, right, you usually just start off with a dinky pistol, and you you know get whatever you need, and then next time you join a server, you're starting off with a dinky pistol again, right? This is different in that you, you save the same gear, so you get kind of attached to your character because of that. And then you have to manage um, resources because you can die of starvation, you can die of thirst, you can die of um, um, hyperthermia, right? So, and while, while I haven't played this game, I've heard people, then these people talk about it a lot. Apparently you break your leg at like the drop of a hat. Well, hold on. They, they fixed <laughs> most of that because you used to break your leg. Like zombies would easily break your leg. Like if you're going to venture into a town, just assume that – and if you're by yourself or with friends, that somebody at some point in time is going to break their leg during this venture into town. Now, not so bad, but you could still break your leg when walking down the stairs at a wrong angle or opening the door too closely. You know, and that sort of sort of stems from the fact that the game is still in its alpha infancy. Um, sort of branching off into a different subject, uh, or not a different subject, but a different direction. Uh Arma 2, for those of you who don't know, is it is not like your classic military game like Battlefield or Call of Duty, where it's more of an arcade feel to it. It's it's a military simulator. So in which case, uh, there's there's very uh, a very strong emphasis on how much noise you're making when you're moving, um, gear space and where it's located, and how how readily accessible it is. Um, and then, you know, vision, there's a great deal of emphasis on vision, which you will come to learn when dealing with zombies and determining when, when that zombie in front of you is going to see you and come barreling at you. Um, so there's, there's different stances, you know, standing, crouching, proning, there's different movement speeds. Like you can move fast while standing and you're sprinting, you can move fast while crouching and then, you know, while prone, you're just sort of proning, but it is a very realistic military simulator with the with the mod on top of it for the zombies so there's a lot of things to consider and what what uh bj was saying or ben uh you know there's there's the whole aspect of survivability feeding yourself you know getting the water getting the 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 gear that you need getting away from the coast for one yeah i I said this earlier to y'all but like like i said i've heard i've heard you guys talk about this game a lot and actually and i was surprised at how actual little i've heard you all talk about zombies right i've heard you talk about (laughs) people i've heard you talk about like leg breaking i've heard you talk about finding a gps unit and i've heard you talk about accidentally shooting someone in the face (laughs) (laughs) oh matt yeah um so when when BJ and I first joined, it was it was really late on a Wednesday, I think before Fourth of July, right? Well, okay, let's get into it because there was a bit more um, <laughs> warm up to that. So okay. so both Scott and I heard about this game. Um, we knew it was a mod. We knew it was in high alpha. We we wanted to play it, but we didn't know if we want because at the time it was going to cost like thirty bucks on Steam. Thirty bucks, yeah. And so we didn't know if we want to spend that money. So we're like. We're talking to each other on Skype, you know, during work. He's at work, I'm at work, and we're like, I don't know, you want to do it? And I was like, I don't know, do you want to do it? And we're like, looking more up, we're getting ourselves more hyped and more hyped, and finally we've all said, all right, we're going to do it. 
Well, actually, let, let's do the let's do the before that because before we were trying to determine if we wanted to watch or wanted to play, we were watching a lot of YouTube videos. Yes, and if you guys want to see some incredibly interesting but but really boring YouTube videos, just just hit, type in Daisy in YouTube and just go because we were watching a dude I think follow power lines for ten minutes. Yes. <laughs> and he, he he was talking like he was, you know, talking through the gameplay. And he's like, I don't know where I am. Uh, I haven't seen the coast in a while. I haven't seen anybody in a while. I'm running out of food. <laughs> and and, and he comes upon a town and he's so excited. And then he, he sneaks in and he <laughs> finds some beans. And he's just like thrilled and a shot and a gun. And he's it's the most ecstatic thing that he's ever experienced. And he's really overjoyed. And I'm like, I would like to experience joy like <laughs> that this. was the thing that shocked us because Scott and I played a lot of first person shooters, you know, back yeah. in the old days, we played Counter-Strike and Team mm-hmm. Fortress and the sheer joy that this guy exclaimed at finding a pistol. He was like, oh, a pistol. We were like, how can you be so happy at finding a pistol in a first person? It, it didn't compute to us, right? Because all the games we're playing, it's like you always start with the pistol. And this guy was overly joyed at finding a pistol. And then when he found beans, you thought the whole world had, you know, ended or something like that. It was such an amazing thing to find beans. And, and so, yeah, it's, it all goes back to that gameplay element. You, the, you start the game, you don't have an in-game map. There's no, like, you can't press M or there's no, like, mini-map, right? So where you are, you, when, basically when you spawn, it'll, bas- it'll come up on the lower right-hand corner and say, you know, oh, you're in this location. That's the last time you'll ever see that. You'll have no clue beyond that first initial logon time where you are. And for you, and for you normal people out there, that that's not going to mean anything to you. And actually, I encourage everybody who does check out Daisy is to not Google any maps. No, <laughs> don't do any research beyond looking at goofy ass YouTube videos and just play the game like somebody took and plucked you out of reality and then just dropped you in the middle of nowhere in a zombie apocalypse and said, okay, go fight crime. Because it's, it, is a, it is a terrifying, confusing, and disorienting experience, the like of which I have never experienced in another game to date. So, so we have our normal game night, and Scott and I download the game. We get the mod up and running. Scott down, downloads a virus accidentally, even though I told him exactly <laughs> what to download. Well, and... I've been drinking, so leave me alone. Yes. And so finally we get it up and running. It was like, what, 1 a.m. or something like that by the time we, we finally got up and running? Well, no, I think we started at 11. Was it 11? Okay. It was 11, it was 11 you know. And so longer. we get up and running, we log in, and the first thing we're like, where the hell are we? We know we're on the same server, but we have no idea where we are in relationship to each other because like i said you always spawn on the coast but it's a huge map and this is this is before i think we had concept of how big the map was yeah so we were standing there and it's like okay it's it's trying to orient yourself like you're blind and aren't even on the same continent so it's like okay stand with your back to your coast Look left. What do you see? Oh, well, off in the distance, I see a lighthouse. Okay, is it on an island or is it not on an island? Oh, it happens to be on an island. Okay, well, look right. What do you see then? So we're trying to find these sort of common landmarks where we've been dropped off to where maybe by chance we can head to those common landmarks and meet up because we didn't really have any idea of the scope of this map itself. Yeah, and and then also we're trying to get to each other with attracting as little attention as possible because... We have no weapons, so any zombie that chases us, we're very likely toast. And that's that's sort of before we've learned like 
the nuances of like, oh, here's like today when we when we convince people to play this game and we say, ah, when you first start this game, what you're going to want to do is just run like hell. But when you first play the game, don't do that. Experience it like you should experience it. Um, we're, we're sort of. I'm not going to say that we're we we well we played this game a lot and we've died a lot and we've so, restarted a lot so we know that, what to do when you restart. So that, what happens? What happens when you die? You just you start over again. You start with your same band aid, painkiller, backpack, flashlight combo, and you just get dropped on the coast in in a random location. And your body is still out there somewhere with all the gear yes. that you had, right? So ideally, you want to get back to your body to find stuff, but. It's kind of like Ultima Online in that anyone else can come across your body and be like, oh, that's a nice backpack. I'll take it. Um, yeah, everyone can loot your body, take your gear, all that good stuff, right? And so that's why people end up killing other players for their gear. I've been literally killed because someone saw me pick up a can of beans and they wanted the beans. And so they, they killed me for the beans. Just like in real life. <laughs> exactly. They they goes to show you how quickly society crumbles, you know, in, in, um, in regards to this stuff. So... It was when we played that first night. It was like some of the three hours of best gaming we've ever had because we eventually get together after yeah, about an hour or something around. We eventually get together, and we're scared out of our minds. It's starting to get dark in the game because the game follows real life time. So if it's you know daylight outside, it's daylight in the game. If it's night outside, it's night in the game. And so night is like pitch black in the game. You can't see anything, right? And so you have options. You can put like you can use road flares. You can use chemical lights, little things that you you know crack and you shake up and they glow. You can use a flashlight. Um, but light sources not only attract zombies more, they are like a beacon to other players, letting them know where you are. Well, okay. So in that first night that we played, and, and admittedly we were probably up till three a.m. and I had to call into work the next day. Um, because it took me a while to get to sleep uh, after we finally called playing, because it's a little nerve-wracking. We we had literally crept around <laughs> settlements, because zombies... Okay, so the good thing about the zombies in this game is the zombies don't really spawn unless there's, there's a reason for them to be there. So they're around settlements. Uh, they're sometimes out in the wild near uh, hunters' nests, or whatever they're called, or, or helicopter crash sites, or whatever. But if you're in the middle of the woods, or you're, you're sort of in an open field, the zombies aren't really going to be there, because there's no reason for them to be there. But if you're near a settlement, which is where all the loot that you want to get is, then zombies will inevitably be there. So so we're, we, we finally find each other on the coast, which I, I think now that I know what I know about the game had to have been dumb luck. Um, and we find each other on the coast and we run at each other and we meet up and we have nothing to our name and we're going to try to figure it out. And we go into this town and we're creeping around things. We still don't have a weapon. So if a zombie does find us, we really don't have any options other than to just sort of run or die. Um, and we're being very, very incredibly cautious, moving at the snail's pace. And, and now we have the music on, and it's it's playing this weird sort of disorienting, jarring, sudden noise music like you would expect out of a horror film. And they're great at ambiance because you can hear like trees rustling. It's on the coast, so every once in a while you'll hear like um, something like banging up against like a sail or something like that. And there's this like very low key kind of music, just intensifying everything. It just like mm-hmm. starts shaking at your bones. You're just 
the whole ambiance is getting to you. So it's late and it's dark in our rooms and we're like creeping up to houses, looking inside, trying to figure out where we could find loot. You know, we find like a can of beans or something and we find like a hunting knife, but we can't use it as a weapon and we're trying to survive. Right. And it's, it's, it's terrifying because we don't want to go too far into town and get overrun by zombies because we don't have a weapon to defend ourselves with. But at the same time, we know that if we want to get a weapon to defend ourselves, we need to go into town. And meanwhile, while you're playing this game, your your uh, thirst levels going down, your hunger levels going down, and you know that eventually you're going to need to drink and you're going to need to eat. So it, it just drives you into these these populated settlements to where there are zombies so you have to deal with the zombies so eventually as you play the game you get used to the mechanics you you kind of understand the map more where good stuff is to find so you start gearing up you start getting stuff like matches so you can light a fire um an axe so you can chop wood compass so you actually can tell where which direction you're going <laughs> you can find a map in the game um it doesn't show you where you are in the map but it lets you you know kind of get your bearings and stuff like that Combat knife, so you can because there's wild animals in the game, cows and sheep and, and boars and stuff like that. So you can skin them for meat. You can cook the meat on a fire. You can get canteens, which are refillable at lakes and stuff like that. So you become self-sufficient, where you can you have enough supplies. You don't need to go into town. So you start heading north. Yeah, and I, w- I will say this though, it, it, for those people who are new players out there, when you find a hatchet, your survivability has increased a thousand percent. Because it it is a quiet weapon, it, so and and in it, like I said before, that this game is a military simulator. It keeps track of noise. So when zombies hear things, they'll come to investigate it, and when they inevitably see you, they will beat beat you to death. Um, so that that goes to sort of if you're shooting a gun, it creates a lot of noise. Different guns create different noises, and you'll pull zombies in from all around. But the hatchet creates no noise whatsoever, and it has no ammo that you have to worry about. So when you find a hatchet then you can kill zombies without bringing more zombies down upon you. In which case, like I said, you can you could actually investigate things, explore. Uh, your survivability is, is magnitudes higher. Yeah, and luckily hatchets like one of the most common things you can find. I think we went into one warehouse and we found like four hatchets. <laughs> we were like, oh, this is where they make the hatchets. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, like we were talking about, once you actually do get gear, like, you know, we have, I have an AK and, and a forty five revolver. Scott's got a freaking, like, w- what machine gun do you well, have? Well, that, that's not, no, I don't have any of that stuff anymore because I died today. And oh, that's right. it sort of comes up to my, my the game is in the alpha stage and, and we did, a hacker jumped in our server and killed everybody and it was very tragic and frustrating. But uh, you sort of pick yourself up. Um, and, and just to reiterate, if you're, if you're going to play Daisy, you need to have the capability to just dust yourself off, pick yourself up and start again. And, and, and it helps if you have friends who are also playing that can happen to grab your body and all your stuff. So yeah. now Matt is the one with all of the stuff. Cause I was alive for, I was on day nine, uh, today. So that means I had played the game for nine days straight without dying. I think I had 300-and-something zombie kills under my belt and a couple of murders. And uh, and, and that's, that's the important thing because um, they track what the average lifespan is. The average lifespan in the game is 35 minutes. No, no, no. I just checked. I was checking the site now. It's up to 49 minutes. Ooh. <laughs> people are getting better. Yeah, that means they're getting better. 
Um, so it, the the goal of this game is, as BJ was saying, is like to head north, right? So you start on the coast. Uh, all the shit happens. There's there's huge cities on the coast, and when inevitably you break your leg, you need morphine, and you go into these cities. The only the big big cities have hospitals, in which case you can really only get morphine reliably from hospitals. So in which case they're pretty high priority targets, and they also have the blood bags, which you can use to get get up to full health. Um, so. You want to get away from those cities as far as you can because they're, they're the most camped, they're the most they're the most snipers are there watching the hospitals, watching the cities themselves, and that's typically where you can find the best stuff. So if you're making like a, a new character death run, then go into like Cherno or Electro, which are the two major cities on the south of the island, and then just get the crap out of there um, because it you know li- staying in those cities every minute you stay in those cities just decreases your survivability chance not from zombies zombies aren't the problem in those cities it's other players that want to kill you either because they're jerks um because or because they want your stuff and so that again goes to we when we talk about zombies being kind of the background to the, the you know that that predictable danger when you start exploring other towns towards the north that's where the other professional people go, the people with really good gear. They're up north also. So it's harder to find them because everyone's a bit more spread out and not in the central cities anymore. But, like, let's say you're going to go check out a, a barnyard or something, like a barn house or something like that, and there's a couple zombies in there. You want to take them out. You have to make a judgment call because you know firing your weapon is going to make enough noise that somebody a certain distance away might hear it and come investigate the noise, right? <laughs> Well, and there's been a number of times where we've been sort of exploring wildernesses or looking at, you know, sort of high targets, high prime uh, spawn targets like uh, supermarkets or something like that, or like fire uh, uh, fire HQs, um, and you hear like a gunshot off in the distance. And, you know, your, your first instinctive reaction is to, like to get down or hide or something, which is good. You should, you should still do that. Stick but with those instincts. But you're always asking your friends, it's like, okay, did anybody shoot? Did anybody shoot? And then if... If everybody says no, 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 nobody shot, then you then you know that somewhere and then you could sort of determine, okay, was it a shotgun? Was it a sniper rifle? Was it a pistol based off of what I heard? And and the more scary things is if you hear just rapid wands and gunfire, like like from a like a machine gun or like a semi-automatic or something like that. And that's when you because gun the, the noise from the guns travels very far um in the in the in the world itself. So if, if you shoot a sniper rifle and they're very loud from up on a hill, you're going to hear it from many, many yards away. And it will either cause alarm to the people that you're trying to shoot at. If you're one of those kind of people, or it will draw people to you who are looking to kill you. Yes. And, and I would, I, the only thing I'm going to disagree with is the only thing scarier than hearing the gunfire is that hearing the gunfire and then hearing the ricochets on the ground next to you. Well, then you should just run. <laughs> just, if you're, if you hear that, just run because so, we've been in those scenarios before. So what's the story about getting shot in the face? So as we're playing the game, we're, we're always wondering like how far away can you, um, hear the guns, and then sniper rifles have this weird scoping thing you have to do because the scope sees a certain distance, but then the, it fires another distance. And you well, have to. So it's it's based on on reality, and and I'm not a sniper, but there's Matt. I was talking with Matt earlier today, and there's a mathematical equation, and if you're looking through the scope. 
there's uh, little like dots, right? So you have your, your main reticle in the center, and then there's dots to the left or the right, which is used to measure wind. I don't think there's wind in this game, but the dots up and down are used to measure height. So what you want to do is you want to measure, you look at how many dots the tall the person is, and then that's the distance they are away, and then you want to set your scope to that, and then and then shoot them in the face. Um I've never messed with any of that stuff before because it sounds really complicated to me. Um, but yeah, that's, they they built in that sort of realism into into Daisy. So we're we're running along the coast, and and I'm I'm not going to say it was like a boring part of the game, but we hadn't seen players or zombies in a while. We'd kind of been staying away from residential areas. Matt starts getting a little um, antsy, wanting to to play around with the weapons a little bit, and so he he looks at our friend JJ, who's who's um, co-hosted a couple episodes, and he says, "Hey JJ, shoot at my feet, right?" And I was... and, and to put some perspective in, Matt, Matt's way down the coast from us, so we're like way far behind him. We're all traveling in the same yeah. direction, but he's got some crazy distance on us. And and the purpose is Matt wants to see if he hears the gun. JJ thinks it's a bad idea, but he goes ahead and he shoots. Boom, boom, boom. Matt's like, "Oh, I barely heard that." Um, and, and the closest person to Matt is Scott. So Matt turns around and he's like, Hey Scott, see if you can hear this. Boom. Shoot Scott in the face. <laughs> yeah. So the, the shot rings out and I hear it clearly. And then I fall down. I'm unconscious. I'm bleeding and bleeding's a bad part of this game because it just ticks your health down over time. And since I'm unconscious, I can't bandage myself. So I'm screaming at, at BJ and JJ. I'm like, I'm like, bandage me, bandage me. I'm going to bleed out. So and Matt's running back towards us like a like a tool because he feels bad because he shot me in the face. We we get him. I get I get Scott bandaged, so I stop his bleeding. JJ gives him a blood transfusion. I gets him back up to full. Scott's still kind of going in and out of consciousness, and then and then Matt says, "Oh, there's an option to drag body in case one of your allies gets dropped." Right? He's out in a clearing, you know, where a sniper can get him. You can actually drag the body into cover, or something like that. So Matt does the drag body option, and as he lets go, he clicks the left button again and shoots Scott in the face a second time. <laughs> and again, pointing out that this game is, in fact, in its alpha stages, so things like that can happen. So if you're going to pick up your friend, hit the left control button twice okay. to lower your weapon. So then we have to bandage Scott again and give him another blood transfusion yeah. for the second time Matt has shot him. <laughs> that is brilliant. Now... This is not as good as the time where Matt and Scott blew up on an, and a hum, on a, was, not a humpy. Uh, I was going. I was wondering if you're going to tell that story. <laughs> well, there's two stories. You got okay. So we vehicles are one of the most prized possession in the games yes. because you run everywhere and it takes you so long to get places. But if you get a vehicle, right, you can get from point A to point B no problem. The thing is, is when you find a vehicle, you never know what's going to be wrong with it because you can find replacement parts like tires, engine parts, fuel tank tanks. parts, yeah, fuel tanks. And when a, a vehicle spawns, it, it spawns with random problems. It could be perfect mm -hmm. or it could have no tires, uh, a busted engine, a busted fuel tank, whatever, anything in between. And these and these parts that you find to repair the vehicles take up an incredible amount of inventory space. Yeah. So you, you start with like a shitty backpack that only has eight slots. And just to put it into perspective, a tire takes up six slots. So if you wanted to carry around a tire as a new character, you're, you only have two free slots in your backpack. So it's pretty rough as far as as far as inventory goes. So we find these two. What are they called? They're, they're ATVs. ATVs. You find these two ATVs. Each one can hold two people. 
both are in, in various shoddy, you know, <clears throat> condition. So we, we try to move them someplace and we start running around the area looking for replacement parts. We get tires on both of them. We get fuel into them. We're trying to find engine parts. We move one of them into a secure location and mm-hmm. then it's um, still there. It's still there. Yes, and then I hope Scott and Matt go back to put a tire on the second one and move it over. And the entire time we're being sneaky because we don't want people to know that we're around and that we have these things, right? So we're sneaking from town to town. We're, oh, I got the fuel tank, you know, sneak out again, you know, keep a low profile, don't want to attract any attention. And then as Scott and Matt are both riding this this um, ATV back, it suddenly explodes. Well, so we're, we're driving back. We got a little lost in the woods. We set up a little camp south of a pretty major town, but but not a, a heavy traffic town. <clears throat> we're driving up a hill because we got sort of turned around. We're driving up this hill, and all of a sudden, like, it, the, the vehicle starts acting a little funny. It's not going up the hill as fast as we was or as, as fast as we expected. So Matt's, you know, jamming on the, the move forward button. And then suddenly, from my perspective at least, you know, my screen goes red. There's that that sort of like high-pitched tone that you that you recognize from the movies as an explosion has happened. I don't hear anything. I, I think that I might have been sniped or something, but I'm flung off of the vehicle and the little unconscious meter comes with a with a really large countdown, which means I was knocked like really unconscious. And then I look up in the corner. You have a you have a little debug mode, and you can see what your health is, your exact number. And you start the game with twelve thousand health, twelve thousand blood. And 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 I was full when we were riding this. I was riding on the back, sort of steering Matt along with my compass and my map. And then when I got thrown off the vehicle, I was knocked down to a thousand. Which is a very, very huge near-death thing, and then it starts counting down, and I, and I, you know, I'm yelling at these guys on Skype, and I, yeah, I said, run out here and help me, bandage me, bandage me, give me blood, quick, quick, hurry, hurry, and they're they're quite a bit of distance away, so they're huffing it across an open field, and they're running up to me, and they're they're trying to bandage me and bandage me, and JJ's and he's like, oh, you know, the thing's not working. I'm like, mouse wheel, fool, mouse wheel. And, you know, by the time they eventually banished me, I'm down to like 400 health, which is on, you know, by all stretch of the imagination, I should be dead. But thankfully, nobody died from that shenaniganry. But from what I was told, BJ, you can go on and elaborate on this. It's a, experiencing it from a first-hand perspective of us exploding. <laughs> well, I just see the thing blow up, and so there is a very loud concussive blast that goes through, and then an actual fireball like go you know sprouts up. And the first thing I thought is like, <laughs> well, if someone didn't see us before, they certainly know we're here now. Yeah. <laughs> As everyone within like a ten-mile radius can see this explosion that going by, and I see uh, Scott's thrown one direction, Matt's thrown the uh, the other direction. We get them both up and running again, but. It was just one of those things where it was just so ironic of, of how careful we were being, and it's all just, you know, they, they they talk about vehicles unless you get them fully repaired are walking death traps because yes. they can blow up and anything, and that's the thing. If you get one and you start driving around, it's not fully repaired. A person can take just one little pot shot with a pistol, and boom, it explodes like from a movie. Mm-hmm. And that and that's the thing is like you know sort of back to the original point. Like later on in the game. You're not trying to survive zombies anymore. You're just trying to survive the barbarian wastelands that exist out there. And you you hope and and I feel really bad and I'm sorry. And if you if the two guys that are out that are out there today, uh, I, I ran into a factory looking for engine parts today, and I turned to my immediate left, and there was a man shooting a zombie, and and I panicked and I blew his face off with my very incredibly loud machine gun. 
And then I went and I hid in a corner and then I heard a soda can pop and drink. So I knew he had a friend and I knew his friend was probably pissed. So I ran to look for his friend. His friend shot me a little bit, broke my leg. I managed to crawl up a staircase, turned around as he was coming after me. And then I blew his face away. So if you guys are out there, I'm really sorry, but I didn't know what else to do. So the, the barbarian wastelands is not, it just happens because you yeah. can't trust anybody unless so, you know them. I, I think the story that best highlights that is that one night with the guy with the grenade. <laughs> that, that was good. So, so yeah, go you go ahead and tell it. Okay, so the the as we've already described, night in this game is night in real life. So the moon wasn't up. We had virtually no vision. We're all sort of cheating a little bit and turning our gamma way up so we can figure out what's going on but it's still not helping so the stars you know up in the sky but there's no moon we can we can barely see we can't see your hand in front of our face i can't see you know uh matt who might be standing in front of me so we have a handful of guys who who crack some glow lights and hold them so we can sort of follow them and give us our little like 10 feet of vision to investigate these towns now, I, I do want to say, we had a small army with us. There's six yeah, of us there together. six of us. Yes. That's a lot of people to be traveling together in this game. Terrifying amount of people to run across. Yeah. Um, so, But we were feeling very confident because it was night, and at night, zombies don't see very well, so you can you can get pretty close to them without, without aggroing them. Um, so we were pretty much hauling ass, uh, and then we, we, we had the bright idea to go check out a uh, military HQ, right? Or uh, a military uh, encampment. So the six of us run run to this relatively large town, check it out, you know, and we I think I think you and I were up on the ridge and they're like, oh, just watch out for us. And we're like, watch out for what? We can't see anything. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a little amusing. But eventually we all sort of get back together and we're going to head to a hospital in a large town. And we figured, you know, we checked the server. It was only, you know, a handful of people on the server. It was in, in game time. It was like, uh, I think it was like 11 at night. So it was pitch black. Nobody should be able to see anything. So what happened was, is we were running along, running to the hospital. And then from my experience, like I said, it's sort of the same as the exploding ATV. My uh, my vision goes red. There's that, there's that bee uh, that you get from the explosion. I fall over and I'm in shock. My leg's broken, but I'm surprisingly undamaged. So I'm like, and, I, and I'm talking to these guys. I'm like, like, what happened? What happened? What happened? And they're like, there was this loud boom and something. And then uh, we were playing on a server where it showed uh, like so-and-so was killed. And it was nobody that we recognized. I think it was like Rocket Man G or something. Rockstar like G. Rockstar G. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> so apparently... After some investigation, we get everybody sort of up and, and back back together. I think a couple other people were in shock or uh, needed pain meds or, or bandaging or whatnot. Uh, we, we look around and we try to figure out what the hell just happened. Because I, I felt like, and this was before we knew more about the game, but I felt like I had run over a landmine or something. That's sort of the impression that I got. Matt but and it, I thought it was lightning. We thought we actually got hit by lightning. Because <laughs> yeah, it was raining. raining. It has, yeah, there's rain in the, in the game, game and there's wind and stuff like that. So they have elements like that in the game. So we thought we got hit by lightning. And it, it's a reasonable assumption. Yeah. But what happened was, is there was a dude who had night vision goggles who wasn't very far away from us. And from what we could determine, he took a grenade and threw it, but it bounced off of a tree or a branch or something and came right back at him. So the grenade blew him to shit. And then the rest of us just sort of got the after effect of that grenade. So knocking a few of us over and whatever. And and I appreciate that man dying because I think he's he he provided us with the only pair of night vision goggles we've ever received in that entire game. 
But I mean, and he has some really good gear. But you know, mm-hmm. you know, he had to be so pissed oh, off, so pissed off. And that was probably the same way where I feel bad for those guys that I killed earlier today because they were pretty decked out, and I'm sure they were furious because I gunned them down like bitches and um, for really no reason. Uh, I, I can't really now. There's no good. There's no moral to that story. Now, the the one thing I want to preface this with is it sounds you know Scott and I have all these really awesome stories. This comes from other hours and hours of gameplay where it's literally just running around lost in the forest with nothing to do. Well, I think when originally when the six of us uh, had decided to play together, I think we spent an entire night avoiding everything, running through only woods and referencing our map to where we could all meet up. And then by the time we all met up, I think that was three hours later, and it was time to go to bed because we all had to work in the next morning. So we, we literally did nothing yeah. that day at all, except for run. So I don't want to give the false advertisement that the game is nothing but you know excitement 24 hours a day. There is going to be you know a lot of times where you're just running around trying to figure where you are, but it's all that atmosphere, it's all that ambiance. Um, you know, creating a, a, as realistic a survival experience within a zombie apocalypse as you can get, and and it's a lot of fun. And that's and that's sort of the thing is you play the game to sort of experience and and sort of get into that immersion, like uh, like you're a person surviving the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. And and it's and it's those little gems of stories that keep you coming back for more. And and if you have the the mental fortitude to dust yourself off pick yourself up again and start over if theoretically from scratch then you'll love this game. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get a lot of good stories from it. Yeah. Cool. Do we want to talk about some other games? I'd love to talk about some other games. So um, I know we've been looking at getting into Left 4 Dead 2 again because um, I got new maps released for that. Yes. And I, ha- I have sort of been pushing that not from necessarily a competitive standpoint from what I played back in the long, long ago, but I think that for a group of four people, uh, I think it'd be fun to play some sort of co-op against waves of zombies and, and that sort of aspect. And I've definitely me a lot. I've re-downloaded it um, Good. to 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 play it again because um, I know that we were going to do that. Um, I, I want to echo uh, Dead Rising one and two are both excellent games, um, and and they kind of got that same experience where the game becomes less about the zombies at a certain point and just about survival and going through the storyline and, and going through the mall and looking for juice or whatever. You always look for the orange juice in, in, well, in Dead Rising. I actually I actually had thought about that a little bit, and I wanted to chime in on this. Is, is Dead Rising 1 and 2, originally they start out as zombie games, but in the end it's it's about time management. Yes. So if you look at you're looking at a map of a mall and it say it goes in a circle and you get reports of those survivors here here and here but they only have so long to live and you can see on your screen there's like a countdown so you're trying to figure out okay I need to take the risk of going through this part and curving around here rescuing these people hopefully I, my weapon survives long enough to rescue them and bring them back to the safe house or hopefully I have enough health or hopefully I'm taking a safe enough route to where they won't themselves die and it's really about time and crisis management, not so much about dealing with zombies. But I guess they sort of go hand in hand. But the games right, are fantastic. And they're they're both uh, so Dead Rising at least was Xbox specific, and you mentioned that you got the Xbox just for that. Yes. Dead Rising Two yeah. came out on PS3, Xbox, and Windows. Mm-hmm. Which That's is not, smart. Yeah, I mean because it was such an amazing. The first one was amazing. They knew they were going to just make buckets of money from it. So yeah, release it to as broad an audience as possible. 
Well, and I think that the second one, they only improved on the gameplay. Because not only do they bring in the whole um, sort of Vegas flash to it with the gambling and the casinos and stuff, but they kept them. They kept the uh, the sort of the the structure of the map the same sort of circle, and they also added in crafting, which was very nice because in Dead Rising One, uh, I don't think there was much there was there wasn't any crafting, but it was about sort of inventory management. So you're trying to find the right items and that you want to hold on to as well as health items. In Dead Rising Two, you got to you were worrying more about well, I could keep this. And then this, and then craft them into, like, say, a lightsaber or a motorbike with chainsaws uh, on the edge of it to just gun down zombies. Bat with nails. I always went with the bat with nails. The bat with nails was the the staple go-to. Uh, mine was the lightsabers, the gems, and the flashlight. So you find the gems and the flashlight, and you do these lightsabers. And it was always, always about the arc attacks to cut down as many zombies as possible. Um, but Dead Rising 2 also brings up the fact of, of in the beginning of the game, it's about the zombies. In the end of the game, it's about the human element. Because in Dead Rising, the zombies were sort of just background towards the end of the game. And you were dealing with uh, either the military attacking or, or the uh, psychopaths that were the bosses of those games. Um, that, that, were, that weren't actually zombies themselves. They were just deranged humans. Yeah. So there's a lot of parallels between like Daisy and that sort of horror survival aspect, and you know Dead Rising and those those good games. I, I was I was thinking about it, and and the the pure panic and terror that I felt when I first played Daisy. The last time I felt that was the first time I played Resident Evil, the first one, right? Yes, the very first one back yeah. in the PlayStation. That's because they they took they took a lot of cues from horror movies and used music and suspense and sort of the cat jumping out of the closet. Uh, methodology to to scare you a lot in those games, and that sort of carried along for the first couple. And then I think when they hit, I don't know if you played any of the recent ones, but the I think I think it was Resident Evil Four was the last one. I thought it was um, five. Was it five? Maybe it was five. Do they have more movies than they have games at this point? I don't I don't know. I know they're coming out with another Resident Evil movie. That's probably fairly similar but i think resident evil 4 was the one where it was more of like a first person point of view kind of game yeah i think it started on the wii i may be wrong with that um but but those sort of games it, it, they moved from resident evil moved from a a survival horror game into an action game yeah which i'm okay with i still i still enjoyed resident evil i think it was five i still enjoyed resident evil five but it didn't have the same flavor as the first one you know the same sort of horror aspect now here's another good question. What is your favorite zombie movie? My my favorite zombie movie is Dawn of the Dead, hands down. I'm gonna have to agree with you. I know most people are gonna go 28 Days Later, and 28 Days Later is not exactly a zombie movie. I mean, it's in the same kind of general category, but the people in that film aren't actually zombies. They're still alive. They're just hit by the rage plague or whatever it is. Yeah, but it, it's the same concept. It's the same you concept. You can group them. You can group them together. But I think Dawn of the Dead, um, another uh, Zack Snyder film, was a good mixture of both those high-intensity zombies who would run instead of shamble at you, mm-hmm. while actually still being zombies. My only problem with that movie, it's probably the same problem you have, and I don't know if we need to do this, but spoilers, at the end where they go, <laughs> we're going for the boat. And I'm like, <laughs> you're out of your fucking mind. You're going for the boat. You're going to wade through a sea of zombies to get to a boat where you have limited resources and limited, you know, um, places to run and stuff like that, you know, and they show them on the boat, you know, they they have no water, they have no food, all that good stuff. They get to an Island, boom, zombies there. They got to get back on the boat. 
That's what I completely lost me at the very end well, of the film. So Dawn of the Dead has the classic nerd element when it comes to zombies. Like you all are driving around town, you're stuck in traffic or whatever, and you're looking at Walmart and you're thinking, well, shit, when the zombie apocalypse does happen, I've got to go to Walmart. I've got to figure out a way to fortify those doors because Walmart's got all the goods. It's got, it's got the, you know, the, there's some guns in Walmart, I think. And then the, Not anymore. Know, I, they used to have guns in Walmart, but oh, they don't have it anymore. Shit. Um, <laughs> but, you know, down, down, down the street from us, you know, we got a Walmart and a Lowe's right together, and that's pretty much your, your, your perfect trifecta of zombie survival places to go to, you know, and there's some Walgreens that we could hit along the way and everybody's planning for their own personal zombie apocalypse. And that's why I like Dawn of the Dead, because although these people didn't say, hey, let's go to the mall to survive the zombie apocalypse, but that's kind of what the movie was about. It's like, hey, we we go to the mall because we can secure the mall and we're going to try to survive as long as we can. Right. And that's that's, you know, sort of looping back to Day Z. That's, you know, you get the fun in that aspect. So Dawn of the Dead is a 2004 film, uh, by, like you said, by Zack Snyder, uh, and it's his first film that he directed, actually. Yep. Uh, and uh, it's a remake of George Romero's film, uh, Dawn of the Dead, of the same name, which I actually haven't seen the original one. I don't think I have either. It's a good movie. You should, you should check it out. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's got Ving Rhames in it. He does great in that film. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was with that. I, I thought that movie was absolutely perfect up until the exact point where they say, we're going for the boat, and then I'm like... I, I wish I was there could I, so I could slap people around and be like, are you out of your fucking mind? This is insane. We have no reason whatsoever to go for the boat. Well, and that's kind of why I like the the Walking Dead series, because the Walking Dead series to me feels like Dawn of the Dead, but you know, a group of unlikely people getting together to sort of survive. But instead of saying, like, like they say, okay, we go to the boats, the Walking Dead is we go to the boat and that just didn't work out, so let's figure out what's after that. Because yeah. I like the whole, uh, what was it, uh, I Am Legend, right? There was a lot of this whole, like, oh, we heard rumors of this up here. And even uh, uh, Zombieland, the whole, you know, oh, I think, uh, you know, we can go here, we can go there. I heard this place was safe. I heard that place was safe. And I like that aspect of the whole yeah. zombie movie. That was a movie that I was going to mention. I really I really enjoyed Zombieland. Yeah, Zombieland was fantastic. Not only because it had Bill Murray, because I think uh, Bill Murray <laughs> is awesome fucking shooting zombies. So zombies have turned into a new like kind of comedy thing. We saw it with Shaun of the Dead, and then we that saw it with an, Zombieland. Another one I was going to mention, right? Shaun of the Dead came first. Shaun of the Dead was a 2004 Edgar Wright movie uh, starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of fun, com- you know, and that one definitely has you know comedic uh, references to you know your everyday life, living as an office drone, and comparing that to a zombie. And that was that 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 movie was a lot of fun, and then definitely that was my first introduction to uh, Simon Pegg, and, and I liked a lot of the stuff they've done since. Uh, and then of course Zombieland, which was a 2009 film. Uh, starring uh, Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, and I don't actually know who the the younger girl is. Uh, and that one was, you know, it was comedic and but not entirely. And I thought both of those were quite good. Well, I thought Zombieland was more of an educational film because it it, it taught you to do the double tap and the cardio workouts. That's true. That's true. They did they did have some really good uh, lessons to to be learned. So everyone who's getting ready for a zombie apocalypse, that's that's a a must watch. But I, I do like the new interpretations of the zombie movies is that the Shaun of the Dead, like you mentioned, the zombie lands, and then the, the whole 28 days and the, I think it was uh, 28 weeks later. 
those are sort of the re, re, reinventing of the zombie genre, I think, based off of the old, and, and you mentioned it before, the whole voodoo zombies that, you know, there was just a handful of them just wanting to eat your brains. And I think we talked about this earlier today. It's We're straying away from the whole, oh, my zombie is going to eat your brains, to where, you know, zombies are just flesh-hungry humans at their primal, you know, instincts. And I and I like that sort of the new reinvigoration into the zombie genre. And and it's been a reimagining of the George Romero because if you watch Night of the Living Dead, they just shamble. They don't they don't yeah. run, and and they can literally escape the zombies just by kind of ducking and weaving in and out of them, right? And so it, it's it's you know that worked for that period of time, but then they updated it for now things are a bit edgier. You know, and 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 so they make them the fast kind of hyperactive zombies, and and that works now. Well, in today's day and age, when you know people have guns or bats or whatever, how how scary is a, sh- a slow moving shambling zombie? Even if you have like a horde of them, which sort of the the Dead Rising games try to 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 you know bestow upon us as a horde of zombies even then they weren't really that scary because in the game you're sort of you get you develop maneuvers to where you could walk on the heads of zombies or act to be like a zombie and all that other stuff the scary zombies in today's day and age are the ones that that just run at you that have the blind rage that are just there to kill you and you don't even really have time to react and that's where the fear comes from oh i completely agree I completely agree. So, Carlos, um, we we kind of been dominating that a little bit. What what's your favorite zombie movie? Um, probably Shaun of the Dead. Actually, I really enjoyed Shaun of the Dead, and I, I like a lot of zombie movies. I was going to mention a couple more that I think are worth watching. Um, along the funny and Zombieland, also I really liked. Along the funny route, uh, there was a movie called Fido. Have you have it either? Of you yes. seen that? Yeah, yes, I've, I've seen, seen that Fido. one. Yeah, so yeah, Fido, which was a 2007, uh, I think, indie comedy movie uh, where they it, – it's like an alternate universe where there was a zombie apocalypse and, and, and the people won. And it's basically like 50s suburbia, uh, but there's zombies who are their uh, servants and pets basically and kind of about uh, a, a guy who's befriended a, a kid who's befriended a zombie naming him uh, Fido. And uh, that was that was a lot of fun, I thought. So can we can we do like a thing where we think we could say what our our worst zombie movies are? Is that is that a thing we can do? Yeah, sure. We can do anything. That's yeah. Wow, that's the power <laughs> of a podcast. The, the the thing is, I think you and I are going to agree on the worst. Yeah, zombie I'm just I'm curious. I'm actually curious as to what Carlos's worst zombie movie is. I want to oh, hear. There's this there's a lot of bad zombie movies. Yeah, there's I'm a actually, ton of them. I. Uh... Man, I don't know. I I'm trying to. I have to look at the list of zombie movies because I really wasn't thinking of really bad movies. They just kind of disappear from my head after a while. Um, One stuck with me and has been very personal to me. What is what is that movie? It's the Land of the Dead. It's, I don't it's think the, I've seen it. It's good. It's on Netflix if you want to see it, but um, I, I wouldn't recommend it. Land of the Dead, for those who haven't seen it, is essentially about the what happens after the zombie apocalypse when people have sort of found a little place to, to secure and live and what happens. And they, people go out and they, they raid, the or not raid, but collect goods from the existing settlements where the zombies live and whatnot. Um, but the whole movie is just a travesty. It's, it's full of bad actors. I do like John Leguizamo. I really do, just a part of me. But the the whole prospect of like it brings in the whole prospect of smart zombies and like zombies who care about what happens to other zombies and are trying to educate zombies. And I'm just like, uh, it's just this whole 
sort of angle that I didn't want to deal with when it comes to my zombie mythos. So it's uh, it stars uh, John Leguizamo as one of the bad guys. Simon Baker, who plays the mentalist, he's the main character. <laughs> Dennis Hopper is another one of the bad yep. guys in the movie. But here's the interesting thing. It was written and directed by George Romero. Um, and, it, and it felt like him trying to reclaim some of the old glory of when he created this genre of film, you know, way back when. But it just didn't make any sense, right? You know, you start off the film, and the zombies aren't, like, you know, just kind of shuffling around mindlessly. The zombies are, like, back at where they used to work at or be when they were still alive. You see zombies, like, at a gas station trying to fuel up a car that's not there or, like, walking a dog on a leash that's not there or something oh, like that. So, so I watched this movie recently at, like, 1 a.m. in the morning when I uh, when I felt like I needed to hate myself. <laughs> and, and, and if you – I don't know if you remember, but in the beginning of the movie, they have a gazebo with zombies trying to play musical instruments. So there was a zombie. Oh, oh my God. Zebra. I forgot about there that There was part. a zombie with the trombone, and they were just kind of going at it. <laughs> and so <laughs> within the zombie community, I guess you can say there is one – lead zombie played by Eugene Clark and and the character is actually called Big Daddy. He is the leader of the zombies, the the, the most I guess conscious zombie or something like that. Yeah. And he's the one who shows zombies that they can use guns to kill people um and stuff and it just gets weird in that you know they're they're trying to do something with zombies make them less mindless or something like that. It, it and it goes off in this weird area. Anyways, the line, and, and I'm going to kind of misquote this, but basically at the end of the movie, you know, this this human settlement gets, you know, overrun by zombies, these smart zombies who who and are shooting people and then eating them and all that good stuff. Simon Baker and his ragtag people get out, and they're like, what are we going to do now? And he's like, or we're just like them. We're looking for a place to call home. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? You're just well- like them? So there was I felt like there was this point at the end of the movie where the main character is looking through like binoculars at the at the big daddy zombie that you were describing before and there was like a knowing look in between them cuz they're they're fighting against they're like oh should we blow up the city and kill all of the zombies because they had their special car with the missile launchers on it that for, that existed for some reason and and the guy said no no they're just looking for a place to call home like us we're just like them, and and there's like this nod between. <laughs> I just it's just so ridiculous, but yeah, that's that's my worst zombie movie. That's yeah, that that was that was pretty bad. I was not a fan of that film, and I, I they were I I understood the story they were trying to tell, but it was just bad storytelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlos, you got anything? I was going to mention a, couple, a few books real quick uh, having to do with zombies. One of them, of course, is uh, the thing that started the whole genre mashups, which was Seth, Seth Graham Smith's uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, mm. which was 2009. It's actually not very good, unfortunately. Um, but it, it started a whole rush of, of these kinds of things. And, of course, the latest thing he wrote you've heard of because it's Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Right, so it's the same guy who wrote that. Um, if I I like Pride and Prejudice and I like zombies and the movie, the the book itself, I think it really tried too hard in a lot of ways. So it was it was kind of weird, but you know it's it's worth checking out. And I've got a copy if you all want to borrow it. And those of you listening, okay. um, you know, just let me know and I'll see what I can do. But I was going to mention a couple of good books, and one of them is uh, World War Z by Max Brooks, and you you mentioned that too, BJ, right? It's a two thousand. Uh, 
six book, which is a follow up to his 2003 Zombies Revival Guide, and it's actually a really a really good book. It's it's basically done in the style of a documentary type thing, which is a collection of these these individual accounts about uh, what happened during the zombie apocalypse, and it takes place afterwards, and they're doing interviews and filming and stuff about to these different people telling their stories of of you know what the world was like during the zombie outbreak and then what it's like now and the things that they're still doing um, after after what they call the zombie war. And that one is being made into a movie with uh, starring Brad Pitt currently. And I think what? we talked about this. Yeah, they're, they're making it into a movie. But here's the thing. They, they finished filming, but now, if I remember correctly, Carlos, are they going back and filming, refilming a whole bunch more? Yes, they they finished filming and then they decided they were going to uh, film a couple, another couple months of shooting for some reason. And I, you know, they haven't said why uh, or any, anything's happening like that. But that's that's what's happening. Uh, seven weeks of additional shooting, right? And apparently they had to rewrite. So the original script, you know, it's written by J. Michael Straczynski, uh, and, but uh, they apparently had to rewrite the ending or rewrite something, um, and and they had to film more. It's usually not a good thing when they have to go back and, and refilm that much. That's a lot to have to refilm. But you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. The book is excellent. Definitely highly recommend the book. Check that out. Um, and then I was going to mention just another series uh, in this kind of in the fantasy urban fantasy genre, which is a series called Necropolis by Tim Wagoner, and that is a novel series in which the protagonist is actually a zombie. Um, and that, that one's a lot of fun. I mean, if you like the kind of um, urban fan, light urban fantasy, well, I shouldn't say light, dark urban fantasy, but not not like really deep or anything. It's, 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 they're relatively quick reads. There's three books in it. They released them as, a, as a, a, an omnibus edition this year. So you, and then you can get it on Amazon uh, relatively inexpensive. And that one's fun too, uh, starring a private detective, uh, de- uh, police officer who was killed, resurrected as a zombie in this kind of alt, not uh, a dimension next to Earth, which is where all the horror creatures live and, and kind of acts as a, a hard-boiled detective uh, in, in that area. And that one's fun as well. Uh, so I, I wanted to mention something uh, before we get too far. Uh, if, if you guys had kept track of Daisy and uh, – sort of watched the uh, YouTube videos of the creator um, who had sort of gone off and, and mentioned that he wanted to do a standalone game, break away from the Arma 2 uh, mod setting. Um, the Recently, I guess within uh, the last week or so, uh, um, an MMO was, was announced uh, called right. The War Z, which is supposed to be a zombie survival MMO. Uh, from what I... What, from what I've read, it seems to mirror sort of the same survival model of DayZ, and they've sort of cannibalized or, or taken his his approach on the game and, and have run with it. Which is unfortunate because it looks like, uh, you know, the creator's creative property has been taken and, and run with, but, you know, he is just one dude sitting in a basement, and now uh, a more serious company is hopefully taking over that concept, which I'm, I'm actually personally really excited about because I know uh, BJ and I have talked a lot about this, about these sort of improvements that they can make on the Daisy model and turn it into a more, you know, a larger world uh, with, with sort of more to do. So, so yeah, that's, that's one of the <clears> things. When you watch those YouTube videos of Rocket talking about the game, 
he always talks about going standalone. He always talks about trying to do it as soon as possible. And you really get the sense that he understands that this is a gold mine. You don't have a game come out in April and then all of a sudden, like 400,000, 500,000 people down, buy it and download it, you know, pay the $30 to play this game and it not be something special. Because there was like no advertising. This isn't like um like a, 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 a modern combat or, or modern warfare game or anything like that, where there's commercials and there's like reviews and stuff like that on the, on the interwebs. This came out from nowhere. It was an underground thing, and all of a sudden it exploded to half a million people, and it, it keeps getting bigger every day. Well, he, just, to, just to chime in, the, the latest numbers from their website is almost 800,000 unique players. That's like 200,000 more than the last time I saw it. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, shit happens. And and the figures I read about Arma two when it first came out was like not more than a hundred thousand when that first came out. Uh, so this is definitely and and so Rocket understands that he has a gold mine and that's why he's been wanting to go standalone for very, you know as soon as possible. Bohemia unfortunately is kind of dragging their feet because they're making money off of this thing either which way right because people have to buy Arma two to play DayZ. So they're buying Arma 2, so they're making money, so they don't feel a need to make a standalone game. And that's why everyone... I'm not going to say people are depressed by this, but we knew it was going to happen. We knew that this became so popular so fast, out from nowhere, someone was going to do an MMO of this style. Um, the people who are making the War Z say that they've been working on it for over a year now. So before Daisy was released, they say they've been working on this. And, and I believe them, but... I think a lot of their stuff has been tweaked to match DayZ. And the reason I say that is because DayZ definitely has a style. When you get into the game, your character has a backpack, he has a flak jacket and a baseball cap and maybe some sunglasses, right? So there's definitely like a feeling to all, how all the characters look. And then if you look at the War Z picks, all the characters have a baseball cap, a flak jacket, and a backpack, right? And so there's definitely a tone that they're matching, so I don't well, think they're they're stealing gameplay or or they, well they're probably stealing some gameplay but they're definitely matching the tone. Well, they they would be stupid not to steal gameplay. Um, Hammerpoint Interactive is is the company that's coming out with War Z, and and if you look at the numbers from the Daisy mod itself, those numbers don't lie. This this game hasn't been out for a long time, and the fact that and you know like like Ben said, there was no advertising for this. And the fact that it ballooned up to 800,000 unique players in, in just a few months, if some company out there should have grasped onto that and moved very quick, quickly with that. I mean, if I, had, if I had the capabilities, I would have done it. You know. So the funny thing is, is people have always talked about doing a game like this, like a zombie MMO, but they never knew if the audience was there, right? So no one wanted to take the risk. But this has proved that the audience is there, right? So... With zero risk for anyone having to take it, someone proved that the audience was there, and all of a sudden people are like, all right, well, now we feel like we have to do it. Yeah, and, it, and it's a little weird that, you know, the the Daisy has just grown in popularity and has become more mainstream, and then and then this MMO is announced. announced. Yeah. yeah. But I'll tell you, if I had a company behind me, I would have done the exact Oh, hell thing. yeah. I, I would have done – you and I even talked about that. Yeah, you know, we like, did. <laughs> but it's it was funny we talked about all the stuff we do wrong we we're talking about writing proposals and stuff like that in literally the next day war <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it right. had like almost all of our proposals and we we're going well okay oh, we're done oh well <laughs> that was that was fun while that lasted yeah oh well scott and i've always talked about trying to get into the video game industry but 
I don't know. With my last brush with the video game industry, I'm glad that I didn't get into the video game industry. That's right. You almost got a job at Bioware. I did, yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't really want to get into it, but I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> and that was right at the same time with all the drama with uh, both uh, Mass Effect 3 and uh, Star Wars The Old Republic. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. All right. Well, I think that about... I think that, that clears it all up for me. Anyone else have anything they want to add? I think I'm good. I am also good as well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you for coming, Scott. Yeah. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. And we always like to have an expert in the field, be it Star Wars, where JJ came on, and you definitely proved that within the zombie realm, you are an expert there. Well, I will have to say, it sounds like Carlos did a shit ton more research than I did for this, because he was pulling out names and dates and things, and I... Uh, Carlos has that funny hobby of reading that he likes to do. Yeah, that's kind of like weird. my wife. He enjoys reading too. Yeah, a, a little bit, a little bit. But yeah, thank you all very much. Uh, you can find us at comingoutofthebasement.com. Um, actually, we've had some blog people start blogging again, which is interesting. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the site. Uh, uh, Derek talked to some about Kickstarter projects that were going on, and Henry gave a really interesting take about uh, the black hole. Are we ever going to have the um, the showdown between you and Derek over board games? It's not about oh, it's not about me. I mean, Derek, I by by far, I think Derek knows a lot more about board games than I do. Disagrees with me about some things, and I think that would be interesting to have on. Maybe having him uh, have a showdown with like uh, Ellie and Rick that might be interesting. Yeah. Um, anyways, also you can find us on Twitter at cotb1, or you can email us at podcast at comingoutofthebasement.com. We are a proud member of the Interface Network, and as always, we really appreciate everyone listening to us. Thank you all very much. Thank you guys, and we'll talk to you next time. Network interface disabled. Goodbye.